The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, what most threatens your joy? Do you know? I asked the Ziggler audience and received over 400 comments, real comments, and they fell into seven categories. To discuss it, Tom Ziegler and I brought in Ziegler's spiritual director, Janie Seltzer. Janie's a very frequent personality on the Ziegler Facebook page, which has, has over five and a half million followers. Her Facebook lives there that she records are extremely popular as she brings true hope and inspiration to everyone. It's a timely show as our current culture is experiencing so much fear and anxiety and uncertainty, maybe more than ever in most of our lifetimes. So I wanted to give a special call out to you creative minds out there about this show too. Uh, those who are moved by beauty and lyrics and poetry. So Janie Seltzer, who again, I'm talking with here on the show, she's got a new book titled, Even If, The Transforming Power of Perfect Love. And it's far from your normal inspirational book. If you took the profound counsel from Zig Ziglar and married it with art and poetry, uh, and you find the messages flowing in from a perspective, a different perspective for your brain. So in this show, you're going to hear some tremendous hope and inspiration from Janie. Then you can connect with her, learn about that book, even if at Janie, J-A-N-I-E, Seltzer, S-E-L-T-Z-E-R.com. So next, we're going to share the topics in my other podcasts happening this week, share some great resources I think will be relevant for you. Then I'm going to bring you Janie Seltzer and Tom Ziegler and this discussion on what is most threatening people's joy and peace today. Well, Janie and Tom, this looking at your role, Janie, as spiritual director of Ziegler, and your focus on soul care and now your book, Even If, The Transforming Power of Perfect Love, I really wanted to pose a question and try to get to some of the root issues of what are people really dealing with? And I asked them on Facebook, I put it on the Ziegler Facebook page and said, what threatens your daily peace and joy most? Uh, we're, I think it was just, uh, gosh, 24, 48 hours. It was real recent that I posted it because I knew we'd get a lot and we did. It's close to 400 comments and had my team categorize these and it's really interesting. And I thought we would keep people hanging to hear what was most popular. What are people dealing with most saying, this is what's this is what's violating my peace and my joy. This is what's threatening my peace and my joy and let you respond to it from the perspective that obviously everybody loves to hear from you and gain so much here at Ziegler. Sound good? I'll do my best. All right. Well, in starting, these are in un, these are really like under 3% of the group, but that still represents so many people. So if we look at the populace, we're talking millions of people just cited their work and said their work, you know, they cited things like complex work, not getting enough done. And a lot of people even getting a job. And of course, right now, as we talk about this in our culture at this very specific point, we're at an amazing point of unemployment. And so work is there. Millions of people are dealing and they're saying, what bothers my, my, my peace, my joy right now is work. That place where I spend so much of my day. And as you know, that is, that could be overwhelming. Yes, it can. And, um, I think that the only uh, solution to work stress is to make sure that you, no matter how difficult it is, that you take time every day 
to be quiet, to um, to uh, meditate. Um, in my, most of the viewers know that I uh, spend time every morning in prayer. So when I say meditation, um, I certainly spend time in quiet and prayer and in God's word. Uh, I think that the reason that's important, now you may say, well, Janie, we're talking about work here, not spiritual, but I believe with all of my heart, and I've been in the workplace myself for about a, a, a I started a wholesale gift company. I worked as an art licensing director and I found that my compass didn't change. The compass of my life needed to start at a quiet place. I needed to align myself in, in, um, in the wisdom of God and then remain prayerfully throughout the day, keeping my eyes on um the, the higher work that I have to do. If I let the current stresses and strains uh, just drag me under, um, then I'm not effective at work. And I think that's why the spiritual component is so important to maintain your soul and to make sure that you have balance, make sure you're getting the rest you need. And I know that people say, well, I can't sleep because I'm so stressed out. Well, um, sometimes I think that... Um, we're we're creating our own chaos by not keeping that quiet, that place of of um, centeredness um, as a for as the first thing of the first and most important part of the day. Mr. Ziegler was that way. It was the first thing he did, he did every day. So I'm talking here from the perspective not just of myself, but all effective business people. In fact, I was just listening to the number one YouTuber. Um, his uh, Graham, it's his first or last name. I'm not sure what it, I, but you probably knew who I'm talking about. He has thousands and thousands of viewers. And he was talking about his top eight priorities in business. And one of his priorities was to spend three times a day of quiet and centering himself. And he said it was a hard thing to do. But if he if he forced himself to do it, then it became the sweet spot of his day. And I, I think we have to find that. I, that would be my answer. So so, Janie, I'm doing a lot of research on all the, the change in business. You yes. Know, the remote workers, uh, people working from home, digital nomads. Right. Uh, and then the domino that happens where if you have a two a two worker household where, you know, both people are working. One of them might've lost their job and now the other one's working at home and they're around each other. And I, I, I discovered something and I wanted to get your comment on this companies now, and this is from the HR department. They say that their number one concern of their people is mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so how can we, I know your book is about our soul and how do we take care of ourselves? How can we uh, take ownership of that beyond medita- I mean, prayer and meditation? How do we change the environment or uh, get our family on board with that? Because a lot of times I'm on Zoom calls and I see the kids running around in the background and the dog barking and the, and the lawnmower going off outside <laughs> where they're trying to work. How do you center yourself in that? Well, you know, Tom, we can't control everything. And uh, if we we can only, first of all, we have to have ourself under control so that we can respond 
in an appropriate way to all the other chaos going on around us. Um, we, we, we have to be intentional to not react, but to be proactive. And um, I know it's tough. I've been there. I've had <laughs> very stressful times in my life. But again, I think that we have to uh, take responsibility for ourselves, for our own calmness, our own peace. And then we need to do everything in our power to try to organize our life around us, our children, um, our dogs, <laughs> um, and uh, all, the, all the activities. I know it's a more difficult world right now than probably any of us have ever faced. Um, I understand that. And we have to continually remind ourselves that um, while life may feel like it's out of control, that we have to have a measure of inner control to be able to handle the stress. Uh, I, there's just no other answer. So that when, when you know, you're, you're having a Zoom call and the doorbell rings and the dog jumps it, gets into the room and the kids start screaming, um, you can just, uh, I, I do believe it is possible. Um, I've, to to maintain a sense of calmness and and also honesty everyone is in the same boat everyone is got has uncontrollables in their life so to be honest with people and say hey right now life is is out of control i'm sorry for the noise um i, I can't i'm doing the best i can we all have to give each other a lot of grace and i think that the environment we're in right now is an environment where everyone appreciates transparency and vulnerability you know, it reminds me of Howard Partridge, the Ziegler business coach, talking about his focus, Tom. You guys talk about it all the time, of that your you know, life is not about supporting your business. Your business is about supporting your life, if I paraphrase that. And I hear you saying that, Janie, that to some degree, yes. even having the perspective of our life is not about our work. Our work is to be about our life and keeping present what our life is is about, which yes. is a great segue. You know, the next one that we come to here, next category in essence, and this is about 8% of the group. I'm going to put it under money, but under there, education came up a lot, but education came up in regards to money, people who were mm. striving to get an education and were struggling with money. So I'm going to put that and couch it still under the issue of money. And of course, it was people trying to just have enough money to stay afloat, dealing with debt. And then some, especially in our group where we have so many people pursuing business and side endeavors saying, I'm really struggling just with getting enough money to get ahead, to make that idea and that dream possible. And as you know, from a spiritual standpoint, I sometimes feel like some people struggle even more so when they feel like they have something that they feel called to do. They honestly do. And I believe that they do, that they have something that's on their heart that they want to do. Very difficult then to look at the money shortage and not feel like, God, if you want this to happen, why are you not providing? Well, I've been there. You're talking to someone who has been in that very spot where I was very called to start a business that I knew nothing about. And I knew that I was called. Um, I was terrified. And um, 
the only place to turn was where the calling came from, to turn back to the source, to turn back to my maker and, and my creator, my Lord God, and say to him, if you want me to do this, then you have to provide. And you've got to, I need your wisdom and I, I need you to open doors. In fact, one of the things that I learned to pray was close every door but the right one. Because when you're starting a business, there's so many options. There's so many things to learn. And I would get overwhelmed and I would just pray, close every door, but the right door and bring me the resources that I need and give me the wisdom and the perseverance to work hard. And, um, and I did, and I went, I, it's difficult to learn the hard way, but it's an education that will never leave you because you don't have someone explaining everything and and taking care of all the hard things. You're in the middle of all the hard things. And that was exactly my position. And I had a, I had miraculous things happen because I was trusting. I got a check. My As a matter of fact, I remember so well when I was just on the brink of starting my business. It was Hidden Life Inspirational Gifts. And I I, I knew I was called to do it. As a matter of fact, I had a Hallmark owner say to me three times, not once, not twice, once, twice, but three times, do it, Janie, do it, do it, do it. And I'm like, okay, well, easy for her to say, I've got to somehow find the resources to start this wholesale business. And um, when I thought for, sh for sure that it was not going to happen, I received a check in the mail from a family member that at the time felt like a million dollars, but it was $20,000. Now that's a lot of money, but $20,000 when you're starting a business is like a drop in a bucket. However, it was enough of a, of a, um, a jump start to know that I was called to do this and that I would, I would each obstacles that I had to face, I would, I would pray and I would find a way, <laughs> pray and find a way. And if you can't go under it and you can't go through it, you've got to go around it, do whatever you have to do. I fought many of those battles, but you know, perseverance is key and prayer, two Ps, perseverance and prayer. So how do, how do you, because you know, it's, it's real simple to say, oh, you just got to pray about it, have faith. No, it's you, not simple. <laughs> it's easy to say, it's not easy to do. No. And then you got to follow that up with action. So, talk, oh, so, so talk, much. So talk a little bit about how, I mean, I believe God wants us to pray and trust and move forward. Yes. yes. And, uh, and then he's kind of waiting to see what kind of action we're going to take too. I completely agree. In fact, one of my mottos is pray as if you never work and work as if you, as if you never pray. Um, I think that it, it takes both. You must work hard. You must persevere. You must, you must take this, the, uh, the scary uh, steps of, of, action that you, um, I mean, I'm still doing it where I'm uh, right now, just sitting here and, and using all this equipment, you know, all of the technology that we're all having to learn. We never, uh, we have to continually be learners and we have to be willing to take risk. And I have taken many, many risks in my life. And, and as someone said, you know, you can't get the fruit unless you go out on the limb. And I like to say, well, that's true. But sometimes the limb breaks. Sometimes the limb breaks. And then when you fall and you, you, you pick yourself up, hopefully you, you didn't break all your bones. You say, what can I learn from that? And how do I recover from this? 
Well, right in line with that, Tom, the thing that I heard from you January off the bat when you talked about God closed these doors, only leave open the right door is the fact that you were actively knocking. And I always it's been it's been close to my heart that it's the active waiting on the Lord. And I've, of course, done the uh, errant thing of knocking the door down, bashing it down (laughs) when it wasn't open. So but I but I hear you say you're knocking. Well, you know, the next one that we come to here and this was about 10 percent of folks were dealing with health issues. And I think yeah. to me, that's very similar along there with, with money. Here I am, I'm seeking your will, God, and yet right. I'm struggling with my own health. That doesn't seem, can't you make me well so I can go do your bidding. And in this scenario, of course, again, at this time, we have a lot of people talking about COVID, whether they're dealing with the coronavirus themselves, somebody else is, or it's just the fear of it, dealing with masks, dealing with the public pressure from that. But we had people cite things like cancer, anxiety, insomnia, people having strokes, and of course, a myriad of health issues. And we know that we're here in America where we spend more money on healthcare than anything else. So I'm really surprised only 10% of the people said that this is what threatens their daily peace and joy. Maybe it's because of my own uh, participation in the health and wellness arena because it seems like a lot more. Needless to say, so many people out there wondering, why am I dealing with this health issue? It's holding me back from doing what I feel, again, called to do. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode with Janie Seltzer on what most threatens our peace and joy. Next, Janie references her book, Even If, in regards to suffering. Even if I suffer, which we all do and will at some point. She says sickness is a part of life and and really gets into this. It's going to be relevant for so many of you. So we'll get right back into it after I share some products and services, which I think you will find of interest. One of the chapters in my book uh, is even if I suffer, um, I will in in the whole premise of my book, the even ifs of life. Uh, which, frankly, I've had to face many of them. I couldn't write a book like this if I hadn't had to live through many even ifs. And sickness is part of the suffering of life. Uh, I believe that God heals us, but I don't believe he always heals us. He, his purposes and his ways are mysterious. But I, I believe that we uh, can see illness as part of his greater plan. Um, it's a, I, I think the surrender um, is key to a healthy spiritual life. So if we're filled with anxiety, if we're shaking our fist in, in, uh, at God for, for sickness, uh, rather than saying, Lord, I don't know why I'm ill, um, I don't, uh, this is, this seems to be thwarting every, all of your purposes in my life. Um, I want you to heal me. I, I ask you to heal me and Lord God, give me, even in my sickness, a willingness to be right here and to be at peace with you because um, it is the peace of Christ that passes all understanding that will fill our hearts and our minds so that we're not living. You know, stress is one of the biggest problems with it, with disease, I really believe. And so the first thing we need to do is center our soul. And and then if we're if we have to go through a, a sickness for a period of time, I, there's a great woman of God. Her name is Amy Carmichael. And I learned so much from Amy. She was a missionary in India many in the early 
part of the 19th century. So this seems like a very old story, but it's actually a very important story. Amy went to India to start an orphanage and she worked very, very hard. And with, um, uh, by God, with God, hard work and God's help, the orphanage was built. And then suddenly she was struck with a terrible illness. And uh, she was completely um, shocked, baffled, horrified that she laid flat on her back when all she wanted to do was be loving on those children and be a, be a part of this very important uh, place that she had built. But here she was flat on her back. And because she was flat on her back and because she accepted her illness, not that God couldn't heal her, but clearly God wasn't healing her. She became a writer and she began to be a deep listener to the voice of God. And, and Amy Carmichael, because of her illness, impacted millions of more people than she would have if she had not been ill. So my feeling about all things, whether it's sickness, whether it's difficulties with our with our job, with our family, is, Lord, um, I don't understand what you're doing, but I trust you. And I want you to help me to make the most of my situation and to be content here to, because you are beside me and you have a purpose and a plan for my life. And nothing and no one can thwart that purpose. I love it. You saying that, that how many people would she have impacted without that? Uh, of course, we've had people on the show, Tom, you and I have had uh, Nick Vujicic on here. We've had, uh, you know, so many people we had. Um, oh, goodness. Who's the blind guy who kayaked the uh, the, the uh, Grand Canyon? I just oh, went. I went blank. Eric, Eric. Uh, anyways, we've had so many people and that was what gave them glory. I was just reading Corinthians recently and Paul asking God to take this thorn from his side. We don't know what the thorn was. Was it an infirmity? Some people surmise that it was even like epilepsy, which I have a son who dealt with and God did not. And so I appreciate that. You know, one thing on this, maybe it's Tom, even for you to hit, I mean, it's, and it's a, it's a murky place, even from a spiritual standpoint. And we look at money, we look at health, and we look at those are both such big commodities for our life. We also look at, sometimes we feel out of control. Sometimes we have to look at stewardship. If we're talking about money specifically, we're, of course, fans and alliances with Ram, Dave Ramsey and his crew and say, let's, how can we help you tangibly? Pray for you, uh, obviously, but how can we also help you tangibly? And of course, we can do that with health as well and just look at how are we and i know this again it gets gets sketchy because nobody wants to have the finger pointed at it but there is stewardship amongst this yep absolutely you know this the last two things that you just shared uh janie reminds me of, of dad's mentor fred smith mm. and at the end of fred's life uh he was the wisest man that I'd ever met uh just amazing and he had really bad physical health. He, he was on dialysis. Hmm. The last year of his life, he needed complete uh, care. Uh, he couldn't turn over hmm. without his, you know, his help from his daughter, Brenda, who was there. Hmm. And he would say that he, he woke up every morning uh, with this thought. And he would open his eyes. And God had, had told him, you need to do this. Hmm. And he would argue with God, but look, I, I, I can't even open my eyes. Hmm. 
And so he would argue with God. And of course, you argue with God, you always lose. Yeah, always. Always. And so then he would do what God told him to do. Well, at that point in his life, he was he was dictating to Brenda uh, messages that God had given him, articles. Wow. Wow. And so that's that, so that reaches millions of people, just like the story. Yes. But this is where the profound thing came. He said, and this is where money and health and, and your calling kind of all intersect, because I know so many people who have a calling. It's bigger than them. They know God's given it to them, but they, they're experiencing poor health or they don't have the financial capacity to go and do it. And so they wait. And what Fred said, the lesson was, is that whatever God puts on your heart, here's the lesson. Your only responsibility is to just start. Amen. And the reason for that is, is God doesn't give you the strength to overcome. He gives you the strength while you're overcoming. Absolutely. And that's where faith meets reality is... Mm -hmm. I don't need this. I don't need the faith. I mean, I don't need the strength. I don't need the money to climb the mountain. I need the faith to get me through today. That's right. And as I step out, the answers come. Absolutely. Yeah. So powerful. The next, the next one here, and this is about 20%, you know, and again, I keep referring to our current time. Now this is a podcast. People will be listening to it many years from now, but as of November in 2020, and we're amidst so many things, the, you know, COVID and the pandemic here and racial tensions and the recent political issues, which we're going to get to in just a second. Um, I don't know that these are, it feels like everything's increased. Are they to the same levels, to the same ratios? I don't know. But 20% of the folks I put, what we put under just mental stress, that mm. what ruins their or threatens their joy, their peace is again, mental stress, fear, confusion, unmet or overwhelming expectations and uncertainty was probably a highlight, which again, when you've got times like this, where we have in my lifetime, never had something culturally across the board that actually affected our day to day. I mean, I've not really witnessed that even with something dramatic like 9-11, who did affect a lot of people's day to day in that area for everyone around the country. It didn't really change the fact that we go into work, the kids go to school the next day. And now here we are today. And it's a day to day thing of are the kids going to school? Uh, are we allowed to go into work? Is my income going to stay where it is? And so that uncertainty. So from a mental stress and we know some of the stats right now that we are seeing some far greater hockey stick levels of mental stress, anxiety, and anguish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll dive in on that one because uh, that's sort of my uh, main focus is uh, fear. Um, My, my book uh, was written as a result of going through a terrible period in my life when I was a college student so many, many years ago. And the title for my book was put on my heart, even if back then I knew I'd be writing this book. And by the way, it's not a typically written book, is it, Tom? It's a, it's a, it's easy to read. It's a, 
I'll I was going to say, I was going to hold it up here too. You guys, I'm going to play for those of you yeah, watching the video. I mean, look, up. get a bird's eye view of that. That's not a normal book. Right. It's not, it's outside the box. And um, that's on purpose because uh, I want people, first of all, I'm a poet. And, uh, and so uh, I like to express things in poetic language, but it's a lot like David, the, the psalmist. It's not hard to understand poems at all. But the, the reason that I bring it up is that uh, I was faced with, with the the deepest fear of the human soul. And and that fear is a fear of losing control. And what you're speaking about right now, and to all of you who are listening, who are filled with fear and anxiety and mental stress, all I want to say to you is that there is a power that God will give you that will is transforming. It will transform your life. And that power is understanding that his perfect love will cast out all fear. That's right out of scripture. It's first John chapter four, a perfect love casts out all fear. Now um, that's, that's a beautiful verse to say it's much more difficult to live. And I walked through and I tell the story in the back of the book. I saved it for the end. I tell the story of, of, of an irrational fear that came upon me when I was a college student. It was a beautiful, I was happy, happy-go-lucky college girl with my boyfriend at the University of North Carolina. I mean, life couldn't have been better. The sky was Carolina blue. Everything was wonderful in my life. What was there to be afraid of? Until one day, eating my lunch with my boyfriend, then Donnie Seltzer, now my husband, Pastor Don Seltzer, I, my tongue did, so we talk about, somebody mentioned epilepsy, I think um, it was you, Kevin, about your son, but my tongue did something funny in my mouth, and all of a sudden I had this horrible, irrational, seemingly irrational fear that I was going to have an epileptic seizure. Now, I'm not going to go into the, uh, to the whole thing, but I will tell you that... Um, First of all, there is no such thing as an irrational fear. Every did you hear me? I hope everyone hear me heard me. It's a big there is no such thing as an irrational fear. Your fear has a root. And um, it is there is something in you. Uh, something that happened to you at one time, uh, something you watched on TV, something some, someone said to you, fear always has a root. And, and by the way, um, the fear, as human beings, we're all very, very aware of how vulnerable we are. Life itself is scary. Um, we, with the COVID that we're in the unsettled state of the, our world right now, life has never felt more vulnerable than it feels right now. And I believe this is an opportunity, like no opportunity ever before, for people to dig in deep and discover the transforming love that will help soothe and conquer their fears. And only God can give you that. Only God's love is perfect. And he loves you, every single one of you that are afraid and anxious. He loves you and knows you so thoroughly that there is nothing that can separate you from his love except your own unwillingness to 
to respond. Um, now, in my case, I um, found myself in my dorm room with the door locked so my roommates wouldn't find me on my knees beside my bed, crying out to God, if you love me with a perfect love, then what's wrong with me? I must not love you perfectly. Hmm. And he responded to me, no, I love you perfectly. And I said, but what does that mean? And, and the Holy Spirit within my heart said to me, that means that what if, even if whatever you fear comes on you, I still love you perfectly. Now, I didn't want like that answer. And I want to say to all of you listening right now that you may say, well, that's crazy. It, 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 Janie, what you're telling me right now is that I just have to accept the worst case scenario. Well, yes, you do. You need to face your fears. If you don't face your fears, you'll never get wet better. You must face the tiger. You must look it in the face, but not alone. That's the key, not alone. You must face the fear and say, in faith, Lord God, even if what I most deeply fear happens, I believe that I am safe and secure because you love me. And of course, you have to know he loves you, but everyone can know that if they will just receive it. I found a couple of years after I was well, first of all, I prayed that prayer. I really did. I said, Lord, okay. I, after struggling with, I didn't, it was sort of like Fred Smith. He didn't like what God said to him every day. <laughs> I didn't like what God said to me. God doesn't always say what we want him to say. God is God and his wisdom is beyond our knowing. But when I received what he said and actually prayed that prayer, even if I, my body goes out of control, I know that my soul is safe that you love me and you're protecting me. When I prayed that prayer and I, in, in prayer, I saw the presence of Christ over me and I knew my soul was safe. That's what we all have to have, soul safety, because the world is not safe. The world is not safe when we go out our front door, much less what's going on around the globe. So we must find soul safety. And what happened to me that day is I received a deep soul safety that has stayed with me all these many, many years since. And you can, I, so I'm just going to, I know I've been talking, so I'm just going to wrap this up and tell you that a couple of years after this whole, uh, um, uh, what we were, this whole adventure <laughs> happened to me with God, and he freed me of this fear, I was sitting in a conference listening to Dr. Larry Crabb, who's a well-respected mm -hmm. Christian psychologist. And Larry said at the end of this conference that he wanted everyone to understand that the root of all human fear is the fear of losing control. Mm -hmm. And I knew at that moment, and it gives me a chill to even say it now, that I had been taken by the hand into the core of human fear so that maybe someday I could, first of all, experience peace myself, but also help others find that deep inner peace that helps them walk through all the stresses and strains of life. Janie, you said soul safety, and then you followed it with because the world isn't safe. 
Right. The, the next category that we have here, it was about 25% of the folks that responded. And I, all, I, I was tempted to put this under the, you know, just mental stress because that's what they're, they're getting to, but they cited a specific issue and it was the current political things going on. Our current, uh, of course, presidential nomination and, and everything happening there. But I did, I left it out and I left it in its own area because again, about 25% of the people responded to something regarding politics, whether it was the Republicans, the Democrats, the liberals, socialism, economists, of course, Trump and Biden and media and whatnot. And I took it just to say this is an outside influence. So whether it was politics, whether it was the economy, whether it was a war, whatever, we're talking about an outside thing because we've covered right now uh, money, we've covered health, we've covered even this just now, the mental aspect. And you, to some degree, said we have got to face the fear. We have to take action, take some responsibility. And yet, so here, so we can do that. When I think about work, when I think about money, when I think about, uh, when I think about my health, there are some, th my, even my mental state, there are some things that I feel like I can do, but now we have people and it feels like they're saying, this is happening outside here. I don't have any control over this thing. And in this case, the avatar, if you will, is politics and what's happening there. And that sometimes I feel like to people can be more scary. And of course that maybe that's why they more people cited that than almost anything is mm -hmm. this is something I can't control. I have, I think we're probably back to fear <laughs> yes. um, though. I know there's a lot of, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't just put anger, anger at injustice. Mm -hmm. Can we say that? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what they're citing. 25% of people said this right now, is near top of the list. We got one more to go. So it's near top of the list. Okay. okay. So I try to avoid, I, I, and I will not respond to political, uh, I'm not going to take sides politically. That's not what this is about. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, um, again, how I handle it, and if it's helpful to others, I see that no matter what goes on politically, and frankly, I mean, I do believe that we should be informed and we should vote with our conscience and we should be aware of what's going on in the world. We need to pray for our, our leaders. Scripture is very clear on that. Um, so, so it's not that we just are passive. I do not, I'm not saying that, but at the core, we have to understand that there is something much bigger going on here than what's happening on planet Earth. God is building a kingdom and God has a plan. And his plan throughout the ages has been a mystery. And we see that throughout the ages, politicians have come and they've gone. Countries have come and they've gone. Um, nations have come and they've gone. We have to have a transcendent view of life that God knows what God is doing. And he never said that it was going to be easy, nor did he ever say that there would be peace on earth until Christ returns the second time. And as a matter of fact, he said things are going to get worse before they get better. So how I maintain peace is to keep my heart in the, in the greater kingdom, the kingdom of God. In matter of fact, <laughs> um, Okay, so I'm a poet, right? I mean, you you, you know that. Everybody yes. knows that. I always, I, I don't know how, I just, I things come to me in poetic language. And the other day, uh, in this regard, let me see if I can find it. Here it is. I have to share this. Maybe this will help someone. God is building a kingdom, stone by stone, set into place 
by grace, chiseled, refined, mined from the hummus, excuse me, mined from hummus in the deep dark, sparked by love seeing. Abba's heart leaps to reclaim, rename, restore for holy habitation. May his kingdom come. And that's what we need to be praying every day. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's, you know, every, I do not literally, this is, I, I, before God, I speak the truth. I do not let a day go by that I do not walk my soul through the disciples' prayer. When the disciples didn't know how to pray, they saw Jesus and they didn't know how in the world he under, he connected so deeply with Abba Father. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. I figure if it's if this is what the Lord gave us to pray, we better be on it. We better be on it every single day. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive our sinners. Let us not yield to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If we walk ourselves through that every single day, when you feel depressed, when you feel anxious, when you're overwhelmed with the chaos, if you just go find a corner, go Go to the bathroom and close the door so the kids can't find you and just walk your soul through the Lord's prayer and walk through it like it's just you and Abba Father and pray it like you mean it. Because if you don't mean it, it won't mean anything. But if you do mean it, everything falls back into place. Janie, I love that. I'm uh, I'm reading uh, a book by Dr. Tony Evans called uh, Oneness Embraced. Mm-hmm. And he said a couple of things in there that are so powerful. He said, you know, uh, God didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. <laughs> I love that. Right. Perfect. You know, and dad used to say that he would read the Bible every day and the newspaper every day. And that way he would know what both sides are up to. <laughs> That's a good one. Right? Your father your father was remarkable. Yes. And yes. Then, and then uh, when you, you know, Dr. Evans said this, he said the, he said, we need hope. Mm-hmm. And the centerpiece of hope is truth. Oh, amen. Amen. And so I think as a reminder, you know, dad said that what, what's going out there, he'd always point outside is no comparison to what's going on in here. And he would point to his head. Yes, and he it's would true. Say, he would say the, the economy, the politics, the issues, we have control over that in between our own two ears. And somebody had mentioned earlier on, on our Facebook feed, you know, renewing our minds, which is Romans 12 too. But ultimately, uh, I would, for those struggling with this, you got to go on a diet and your diet <laughs> is real simple. It doesn't matter what news branch you listen to, cut it off, 
and start meditating and reading and focusing on the truth because there are no sides here. It's about, it's about doing what's right. It's about taking over. So I love what you said. I do too. I do too. Well, you know, with, we've hit on such, it seems like how can a topic, an issue get bigger than what we've hit on so far? 35% of Mm. the folks here cited that the primary thing that threatens their daily peace and their joy is relational struggles and strife. And we had Mm. people, there were a lot of emotions on a lot of the posts that you could easily see talking about divorce, abuse, Mm. death, negativity, Mm. lack of support, criticism was a Mm. big one. People close Mm. to them in their lives who not only are not supporting and encouraging the heart of Ziegler, but we're doing the exact opposite. We're tearing Mm. down and the feelings that so quickly came through on a Facebook, you know, feed and a simple question were those issues of anger and hurt and betrayal, abandonment, and, and overall just a spirit of deep sadness because at the end of the day, is there anything, all these issues, all these issues, if they're all great, if work is great, finances is, are great, health is great, and yet we're going home to no relationships or bad relationships, of course, it's all, it's all for naught. And we have people who are struggling with all that, and they're going home to bad relationships or living amongst bad relationships. And we talk about mental health, I would put that at the very forefront, of course, of what is affecting it. And we have people right here testifying and saying, this is where I'm at. And there's some hard, hard posts there. Janie, I know you deal with this a lot. Tom, you deal with this a lot. It's such, talk about not a simple area to respond to. Not, not, not a simple area at all. Um, So one of the chapters in my book is even if someone sins against you seven times, you must forgive. And of course, Jesus said 70 times seven. I think that um, bitterness is um, a, a huge issue of soul care. And um, I've, I have a whole chapter related to that because, uh, frankly, I've had uh, we've all had the, you can't live on planet Earth and not have relational issues. Um, because um, people, um, uh, we're all sinners and we all have our stuff and we all rub up against each other and sometimes much worse happens. Um, But uh, once again, um, bitterness is a personal responsibility. We can be hurt deeply, deeply hurt by others, as I have been. Um, One of the things that I reveal quite and quite honestly, and vulner- with a lot of vulnerability, is um, my parents abandoned me um, because I had to take a stand against abuse that was going on within my family, not my immediate family, but my extended family. It was, um, it, it was beyond words horrifying that I um, was had to take a stand that cost me my entire family. My Both of my parents died without naming me as their child. Um, I don't think um, uh, it could get too much worse than that to, to literally be taken off your parents' list as being your child. And um, I struggled deeply with um, all the pain and rejection and, frankly, did what I did because, first of all, I knew it was the right thing to do. 
to protect the, the one who was being abused. And secondly, um, I really had no question that the Lord God was calling me to step in to the middle of the situation. And um, so I had no choice. I, I didn't want to do what I did, but I had to do it. Uh, taking a stand against evil um, can bring uh, huge consequences into one's life. Uh, and if I had it all to do over, I would do it again because um, it was um, it saved the life of a child. Um, so I understand the issues. I understand abuse. I understand uh, family trauma. I understand uh, mental issues um, uh, that that are within families as well. And all of that is is as you said, Kevin. It's not easy to give answers. But the one thing that I can only speak to within myself was that I had to forgive um, and not let grudge eat me up, not let bitterness eat me up because um, sometimes you can do the right thing and still um, be deeply um, accused because of it or put under a lot of accusation and, and untruths. So, um, so um, I've had to be, I've been there, done that. And um, I've also experienced stress in other ways within family. And I think that it still comes right back to the truth of the word of God. Jesus doesn't give us an option. We must forgive. He takes it very seriously. He says, if well, I just quoted the Lord's prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Look at our, our Savior. Look at what he endured. Look at the rejection that he had to face. Ours is a thimbleful compared to his. So again, we have to take a transcendent view. If you're in the midst of abuse, you need to get out of there. If you're seeing someone being abused, you need to take a stand. Um, you need to do what you are called to do. And that you must do carefully. You must do prayerfully. But everyone needs to take action if that's what God calls them to do. The consequences you have to leave in God's hands as well. And you have to trust that his justice and his righteousness will, it will result in the end. I don't know if I've answered the question. I guess I've come alongside those who are suffering. And I, and I think compassion for the suffering is what uh, the, the largest benefit that I received from what I went through was to understand the suffering of others. And I get it. And God, most of all, God understands. And he is our comforter. And that's where I, would, that's where I have to lead you to be comforted by him. Janie, I, I think about this, and I we had a conversation about a month ago. And if you look uh, in the last 10 years, the biggest issue in life is relationships. If, if you go back to all the books that were written the 10 years before that, it's about relationships. Yes. Yeah. 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, it's always been about relationships. And somebody said to me, why don't we ever get it? You know, why don't we figure this out? And my kind of response was, is, well, every single one of us has three relationships, really. We have our relationship with ourself. We have our relationship with God. And we have our relationship with other people. 
And if we don't get the one with God right and the one with ourselves right, we're always going to have a challenge with other people. And the world lies to us and we lie to ourselves when we say, they're treating me this way. I must have done something to deserve it. Mm-hmm. And most of the time that is a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so if you take, like for me, I have this mindset that I, that I go out, I, I put it on, especially when I'm in public or I'm in a situation where I could be challenged or what I would call wrongly attacked. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it comes, I ask myself this question, would a secure person say that to me? Mm-hmm. And of course they wouldn't. A secure person with a good relationship with God and a good relationship with themselves wouldn't, wouldn't do what they are doing right then to you in the way they're doing it. And so what does that tell me? It tells me that this has nothing to do with me and it's about them. And that takes their power away. Mm-hmm. And so that allows me to respond rather than to react. Very good. Right? Right. And then I, like you said, we have a responsibility to step in when somebody who's defenseless is being attacked or abused. Yes, we do. We do. Life is messy. And I, I think if it, we have to... Uh, express that honestly and openly. Life is messy. Um, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but do not be afraid. I have overcome the world. And so that's the long view. It's we we have troubles and we have troubles in relationships, but uh, stand strong and don't be afraid. He has overcome the world and we are overcomers in his love if we will remain in his love. And there's the challenge, isn't it, Tom? I was thinking about what you were saying, that if someone's attacking you and you're for the fact that you can step back and think on a higher level, a higher plane to see this person in perspective shows your deep connection to God. Because you're seeking wisdom and you're looking through the eyes of love, not the eyes of of darkness and evil, just wanting to attack back and hurt back. And I think that's where we all have to be. We have to continually pray that the love of Christ and the wisdom of Christ that we will have, as, as one of you said, that we would have the mind of Christ, have this mind among yourselves as you have in Christ Jesus, we're told over and over again in scripture. So there, there's the key. You, you, you step back and you, and you see and understand with the love of God. Well, I don't know of a better thought at least for all of this that we're talking about, especially as we land there on relational issues, then the title of your book, even if, even Mm -hmm. if, even as those things happen, even as those stresses are there, even as those hurts are there, even if we can be, as the tagline says, transformed by the power of perfect love. And if I can come back and recenter myself all these things are still there. As you said, Janie, they're still messy. They're still hurtful. We still have to wake up in the morning and deal with them, but we can also step back for a moment and recenter ourselves and look at what's true. And I'm grateful for your book. I'm grateful for what you do as a spiritual director of Ziegler, for what you do on Facebook that we were joking about how many views that you get because people are hungry for this message 
that you let uh, flow through you. So it's just a joy here. I hope that this is a balm for people as they hear this and hear how they can deal with the messiness, the reality of life, even in these uh, maybe more uncertain times than ever. So just a gift, Janie. Thank you for doing what you do. Oh, thank you. It's it's a privilege. Um, could I Could I end with a poem? Please. This is sort of the signature poem for the book, Even If. Certain of God, I bow inwardly to his will, stilled in the gracious uncertainty of all but him. I give myself to his love and choose to believe, even if all I fear comes. He loves me still. And that's my prayer for all of you listening, that you will understand how deeply you are loved. His love transcends all other trouble, all the pain, all the, um, all the relational issues. He transcends it all. Nothing can separate us from his love. And um, I pray that you will know the power of even if. Thank you, Janie. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you, Tom. Blessing. Well, friends, this should help many of you feel you are not alone in dealing with threats to your joy and peace and hopefully give you some new insights into how to combat these threats. Again, you can connect with Janie Seltzer and her book, Even If, The Transforming Power of Perfect Love at Janie, J-A-N-I-E, Seltzer, S-E-L-T-Z-E-R dot com. Coming up in episode 843, we hit on a topic I continue to hear leaders advocating, which is to safeguard the morning time for creative work. Talk about creative. Uh, leaving the afternoon and lesser energy for admin, in essence. So in this show, I'm back with my guest from 841, Jonathan Milligan. He's author of Your Message Matters. That's what we talked about in that show. He shares the concept here in this show, the habits show, of maker mornings and manager afternoons. As with any guidance, there are, of course, exceptions. You may find yourself doing great creative work late at night or other times, but by far and large, we do find the brain is well prepped for creative thinking earlier in our day. So Jonathan shares a lot of behind the scenes info on how he runs his growing business and keeps himself where he needs to be with his healthy habits and routines. Till then, friends, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 